nostalgia, memories, growing up in Central Florida in the 1990s. What a bunch of sappy crap. It's the Sappy Crap Podcast. Starring Steve Bauman and Jarman Day. Welcome to the Sappy Crap Podcast, where the names are changed, but the stories are real. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. That's right. The stories are real, or at least how we've kept the dark memento mores in the cemeteries of our minds. <laughs> how macabre of you. <laughs> Keep it alive. Keep it alive. Keep it alive. <laughs> That's right. We're keeping it alive because this week, uh, our last three episodes of the Sappy Crap podcast, this one is the topic of death. Something we have death. not eagerly approached uh, as a topic on this podcast as of yet for obvious reasons. I think reasons. we'd be remiss. To not at least talk about it a little bit. Right. Because we talked about all the things that kind of were important and shaped and formed our childhood and our, our young adulthood. And this is obviously a big part of that. You know, it's, you can't yeah. help but be a big part of that, you know. So uh, I guess my opening question, I didn't actually prep you for this one. So mm. I hope you have an answer. What was the first funeral you remember going to? That's a good question. Um, I had a, growing up a lot of family in southern Georgia, not the country, but the state. Um, and uh, it's a big old fa- southern family. And I didn't really know them very well because we all lived in Orlando, Florida. But we'd go up to see them a lot and stay at a house. So we had a family house in Georgia. And so I believe it was probably one of those great aunts on that side or great uncles um, and just a big southern, um, you know, probably Baptist kind of wedding. Not wedding, sorry, funeral, <laughs> the opposite of a wedding. Um, and so I don't really recall too much, but I remember being there. That was like, but then, you know, my earliest probably memory of like a, a family member, someone I actually knew really well, we might, my grandmother, she died when she was pretty young, like 65 around that area. Um, and I love my grandmother. She was a wonderful woman, very sweet and kind. Um, but I was still very young. So probably around 10, eight years old, something around theirs. Okay. Um, but that's definitely old enough to be, I've, you know, memories of the funeral and, but I just remember it being very, you know, obviously very sad, but just, it was also very Southern and everyone brings food to a Southern funeral and they're very, they're kind of high spirited at those things. They're not, they're not like, it's not very super depressing. Not dour. Yeah. It's not really dour. And they just really celebrated her life, even though she did die too young. Um, but that was, yeah, my first funeral. What about you? Uh, I think I must've been seven or eight and I want to say my my parents are probably going to correct me on this episode a lot, uh, but uh, I think it was my dad's cousin. Okay, and I think he died in auto accident. Also Pennsylvania. Also Pennsylvania, and I, I don't even remember where or how. I remember the one thing I remember is we were waiting to go to the the like after party. I don't know if there's a formal title. Oh, there is. I'm I'm forgetting it, but there is a name. I'm totally forgetting it. (laughs) Yeah. The the postmortem. I don't know what else to call it. Uh, It's legit. That's legit. That's fair. Yeah. Legit. Uh, So we were waiting to go to that. And my dad was talking to somebody who was taking forever. And I was like an impatient seven-year-old shit. And I remember yelling across the parking lot, like, dad, hurry up. My uncle Harry come up and grab my arm and going like, (laughs) You know, calm down. We're at a funeral. <laughs> but, but like me not understanding the gravity because I had no connection. Right. To this individual that passed. I had maybe met them at a family reunion or something, um, but I had no emotional connection to what was going on versus the people around me. Who This is someone they grew up with. Yeah, probably a bad idea to bring young kids to weddings. I keep saying weddings, funerals of people that they don't know very well, because that's going to be a, a recipe for disaster. That's right. 
Uh, but yeah, that's probably the first one. And I can't even say a name or who or where other than somewhere in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I, I think I, when I was a young kid, I just, it was very weird to me. What, that first feeling of my grandmother passing away because someone you knew I was close to. And it was like, this is weird. What do you mean she's not going to be around anymore? You know, like it was just still, I was young enough to where it was still just confusing more than really, really sad. Right. And so I'd never, I don't remember super like being devastated or crying because I feel like it was just really confused and that she'd come back or something like I, I don't really understand what's happening here kind of thing right. um, and obviously my mom was very very devastated it was her mother and so um, you know it's just it was weird because I remember how weird that felt it's like what do you mean she's gone that doesn't make any sense <laughs> so uh, yeah I think for me th- that sort of moment not say where I didn't get it where my brain had trouble transferring over it's probably the yeah. death of my grandfather which was sixth or seventh grade. I want to say, and uh, he had been sick and he had kidney failure and he had been on dialysis. And if I remember correctly, he had had some sort of heart episode and they decided just that they decided that it wasn't worth, not say it wasn't worth it, but it wasn't a good idea to prolong that sort of suffering. So they took him off dialysis and Mm. it was basically a countdown. Gotcha. At that point. And uh, my mom and I and my dad were at some sort of retreat. That's all I can even tell you about it. We we're at some sort of retreat because my mom is a minister and a writer yeah. and a reverend. And so she would do lead, you know, spiritual formation workshops and that kind of stuff. Uh, and we were at one of those. I want to say my dad and I went fishing the day before and my dad got the call. And so my dad went up, was going to go up. And I remember him asking if I wanted to go with him. Because my dad knew he was going to go, he, he was going to say goodbye to his dad. That was your dad's dad. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, my dad's dad. <clears throat> and I remember at the time, 12 years old, and I kind of regret this, but maybe not even really. At the time, I was up really late at night most nights. Mm-hmm. And I had this, uh, this thought that like, I was going to be the only one awake when grandpa died. Oh. <laughs> and that scared me enough that I opted not to go. I get that. Yeah. But she's a 12-year-old. You know, And so I stayed with my mom. She finished up the conference. My dad went up and then we had planned to go up a few days later. And for whatever reason, my grandmother on my mom's side was also there. She maybe come to meet us or something. I wish I could remember the circumstances. She was coming down to visit us and we were in this hotel because my mom was doing this event. And my grandma was like, well, I'm going to gather up your laundry and do your laundry. That was nice of her. And I was like, and I was like well, I don't understand because we're going to do that at home. And she goes, no, you're going to be packing to go to a funeral. And I like in that moment just didn't under like it was one of those juxtaposition moments where I was like, oh, you're right. Uh, so no one had told you that he already passed or that he was they just knew yeah, he was going to. Like, I, I knew, but it was the first time that like an adult had starkly said, like, no, you're not going home you're right. headed to Pennsylvania to go to your grandfather's funeral. That's, yeah. But Is he it- was alive at that moment. So it was just one of those those weird mental things that I not even wrestle with. But I remember it to this day. Yeah, and if anyone's really truly practical and say to say something like that would be your mom's mom. She seems like a very straightforward, practical <laughs> yes. person. <laughs> straight shooter, straight yeah. shooter. No, no, you're going to a funeral. <laughs> That's like, oh, okay, gotcha. And then and then the mental block for years to come was every time that we would go to visit them, I would like always mentally start by saying, Oh, we're gonna go to, to grandma and grandpa's house. Right. And having to edit off the like, I guess we're going to grandma's house. Oh yeah, that's that was weird for me too, because growing up. Every Sunday, my sister and I would go with my parents to 
Ruth's house, we call it. Ruth was my grandmother. And my grandparents, um, and notoriously in our family, didn't want them to call them grandma and grandpa. So we called them by their first names. <laughs> so it was Ruth and then it was Big Jarman because my grandfather was named Jarman. That's where I got my yep. name from. And he was a big guy. He's a big Southern man, you know. And so we called him, you know, Big Jarman. And then uh, there was Ruth. But for some reason, it was always Ruth's house, not Jarman's house. So when she, <laughs> when she passed away, it was a long adjustment phase. Like you said, instead of grandma and grandpa's house, it was just big jarman's house and so it was just like huh this is big i had to get used to saying that you know it's just a full dynamic change and they did this whole thing when she passed away where he then changed the house to be like him and it kind of became his like bachelor pad and he likes black and red so my my big jarman had the whole like my grandma's house all the doilies and the nice you know decorative dolls around places like that and paintings were all changed up for ships and blacks and reds all over my grandparents house so it was a big change <laughs> and a big adjustment at that point See, I don't. I think after my my grandpa had nothing changed at my grandma's house. That's what usually happens. You know, you kind of like keep things the nothing, same. Yeah, nothing changed. <laughs> keep it exactly as she left it. Exactly the same. <laughs> or you know, most men just don't really care. Like, eh, it's a house, whatever. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about like so like the next kind of deaths. I think I remember experiencing were the deaths of pets. Oh yes, of course. Uh, we had a cat forever like i think my parents got her three years before i even existed named mm. gwen who she had always just been around super sweet cat and she had been sick for a while she had she had diabetes oh no and kidney issues and i remember we i had to i i got to learn how to give her insulin shots <laughs> to a cat to a cat which mind you my dad fully admits that he, i think he got Basically, the, at the hospital, when they gave insulin shots, after they broke the seal on the thing, on the insulin, it couldn't be used for another patient. And so they ended up throwing a ton of them away. Oh, okay. And he would just bring it home. That's smart. Instead of disposing of it. And my dad, I think, multiple times admitted, like, if I didn't get this insulin for free, we would go put the cat down. Uh, totally fair. Totally <laughs> fair. <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm totally on that on that side. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, mind you, she had been sick for a long time, and it was just one of those things where, like, we knew she was going to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mentally knew she was going to go. It didn't start me from being heartbroken. Of course. When it happened. But we knew. Like, we knew that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, but that was, like, you know, the first pet death that I'm like, oh, Gwen. Because you were pretty much your whole existence at that point. She'd always been around. She had never not been there. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. See, my father was very anti-pets, so we didn't grow up with any pets initially. Until we begged them to get a dog. And we've talked about this in the pet episode, probably. Yeah. Um, but that didn't go well. It didn't last very long. But yeah, I didn't really have any pet deaths until uh, just recently with my my poor uh, Mr. Bones, my, my cat. Oh, Bones. Yeah. You drooly bastard. He was wonderful, attention-seeking, uh, like dog-like cat uh, named Bones, black cat, named after Bones from Star Trek, of course. Um, but seeing, I just had to like basically see him slowly get sick and die. And he had like... um. What was it? Uh, I think a lot of cats get. It's like not an enlarged heart. It's something like that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it was something a lot of cats do get. But he got a little earlier than usual. Um, and I spent like the thousands of dollars to try to keep him alive, which we shouldn't have done probably. But he uh, didn't make it. And it was just sad. Like I have his body in like this box and then bury him in the backyard. We have a giant. Speaking of death and pets, my parents have a giant pet graveyard in the back of the house that all these different pets have, over the years been buried in a lot of birds. Um, things like that. And it's a pet graveyard, pet cemetery. 
and he's buried back there. Yeah, now. back where the back where the hammock used to be, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that corner. I remember. I remember the pet graveyard. <laughs> it's actually quite beautiful now. And there's these rocks that have these wonderful um, fungus that grows on top of them now. So it's like it's really just like beautiful shades of green and, and iridescent colors, and it's just really uh, nice. It's really pretty back there. So I'm glad, I'm glad Bones is back there now in his forever home. Um, but yeah, so I mean, did you ever experience any other grandparents passing away? Yeah, I mean, so let me preface the rest of this episode by saying I have been extremely fortunate in my life that I have never really had anyone truly deeply close to me die. That's really fortunate. I have like incredibly fortunate and that, you know, at the same time, I also know it's like it's a it's a time. It's like a tick down. Oh, of course. Everyone dies. So I'm just on a clock until someone (laughs) I really care about dies. This is a time capsule of when you didn't know what that was like. (laughs) Right. Um, my, My grandmother did pass away senior year maybe junior year i think i, think I remember that yeah i think it was senior um and what i remember about it is we as far as the lead up and how i found out is we were right at the end of senior year we were net neck deep in night on broadway rehearsals oh boy neck deep i had a few solos i think that's when i was playing lumiere and be our guest mm. and i and i had just made it to the front row in like my first park singers thing ever right like just the first time i'd ever danced my heart out hard enough and sweat enough (laughs) to get to the front row and i remember mr j because i had a benefactor one of my dad's friends who was a heart surgeon write big fat checks like every year for my chorus account. <laughs> so I always had like incredible amounts of money in my chorus account. So I remember him getting on me. He's like, you know, today's the last day for you to use your account to get tickets on Broadway. So you need to get those orders in. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, well, go, go out and call your dad. So I was like, okay. So I went out to call my dad to like ask how many tickets we needed for what night. Because I think we had family coming in. That was also when my mom was working up in Seattle and commuting down. So she was going to come down for a night on Broadway. So uh, I needed to know what night she was going to be there. And I called him. And I remember he picked up the phone, which was surprising because I was expecting to leave him a message. So he was at work. And I was like, oh, hey, dad, uh, Mr. G, we just need to know how many tickets we need for what nights. He goes, I mean, we can talk about that in a little bit. I'm coming to pick you up. And I was like, what? What? Why are you on your way to pick me up? He's like, well, grandma died. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and I just remember being like, what the hell was the chance of me calling my dad while he was on his way to get me? That is weird timing. <laughs> um. And so I, I remember I was already outside the classroom. I was breaking down a little bit, as you do. Yeah. And this really aggravating girl, who I'll just call Nene, mm. came out and she was bothering me incessantly. She'd been bothering both of us incessantly because she was right on the cusp of getting into uh, thespian society. Yes, I couldn't stand that girl. <clears throat> and she really wanted it for her college transcript. And but she like hadn't done any of the backstage stuff. Like she's like, well, I have enough credits. I just know the backstage. I was like, yeah, but that's an important part. Blah, blah, blah. And she came out and so she started talking to you about it. Like while I'm having this breakdown, I started turning her and yelling, I don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> and like, f- and like just playing my back against the wall and falling down and crying. And she went in and got like the class. So suddenly like all of Park Singers is watching me cry on the floor. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Minute, moments after I found out my grandma <laughs> That's sad, but it was nice that they were, hopefully they were uh, sweet to you and Everyone to console was you. Yeah, I got, I got hugs and, okay, and condolences. Good. And I remember when I came back 
there was like a hand-drawn poster and a plate of cupcakes that had clearly been in front of our door for like a day or two too long <laughs> left by some very nice some very nice girls um but then I, as far as like the the funeral itself and going up to Pennsylvania the the only thing i the two things i really clearly remember is we went to the funeral home it was the same funeral home where my grandfather was buried um, and I remember they always told the kids that there was pop in the basement because the basement was like a, a downstairs area with a coffee thing and a few chairs to sit. Mm. And the kids would often hang out down there. So there's pop in the basement. Uh, <laughs> and we're all kind of standing in the cars. Everyone's pulling in. Everyone's kind of standing around and no one's heading in. And I remember my dad, who at the time was sort of the, the patriarch of the family. Uh, Take charge, so, guy. You know, we don't all have to, we all don't have to go in together. And he grabbed my mom's hand and we, and, and walked in and like led the charge in. Oh, cause they're all kind of waiting, um, waiting for the right moment. Every, everyone was kind of milling around. Like nobody wanted to go in. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and the other thing I remember is my cousin, I think it was Charlie at the time was one to two years old. Uh, and you know, too young to understand anything that was going on. And my uh, uncle Tim and aunt Pam went up to say their respects, walked past the casket. And I remember he saw grandma and went and went grandma. Oh, and it broke. It was like such a smiling, laughing moment that just immediately just broke everyone in the room. Of course, just broke everyone in the room. Uh, but yeah, those are sort of the two things I remember from my grandmother's. Well, that's the thing I'd say probably my next funeral, um, because my grandfather actually lived, you know, quite a bit longer after that. Um, and my 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 father was uh, so much older than my my mom that his parents had died a long time before I was even born. Seven. Oh, yeah. Well, you had old you had old dad. Well, I actually met his mother. Surprisingly, she was in her 90s when I met her. I met her once, but she was an abusive, terrible mother to him. So I only met her that one time. My dad didn't even come with us. So she died when we were I was like in college or something. And it wasn't a deal because I've only met her once. So we just I didn't even go up to Pennsylvania to see her because she's from Scranton. Um, but anyways, besides the point, uh, my next, you know, when I was 15 years old, um, I, I had my stepbrother living with me. Um, I had two stepbrothers at the time and he's an older guy. He's probably about 23, I think, something like that. 24, maybe a little older, maybe maybe as old as 27. I don't remember exactly. Um, and I was 15 and he was really cool guy. He was really into like, um, the grateful dead. And he had all these, um, glow in the dark posters in his room. And he talked to stories about taking shrooms when he was younger. And, um, he liked all the cool music my sister liked cause my sister was two years older than me and she liked all his music and she thought he was the coolest. Um, but he eventually passed away from complications from drugs and, that was when I was 15. And I remember that the most because someone so young and he and I didn't get along super well, but he was a nice guy. It's just that we had nothing in common. I was like a little nerdy 15 year old and he was this really cool, hip 27 year old. Um, and so I remember coming home and I had a date plan with my girlfriend at the time, Ariana, I'll just say her name. And yeah. uh, we were going to go to the movies. And I come home and and Scott is my stepfather is nowhere to be seen. And um, my mom tells my sister and I what had happened that he had passed away. And I remember being so just dumbfounded that no emotions were coming over me. because I was just like, that's not possible. How is this possible? And so I went through with seeing the movie with my girlfriend. 
And I don't remember what we were seeing. I wish I did, but I don't because all I did with that movie was just I finally just started crying in the very back seat of the theater. There wasn't many people in the theater at all. And what normally would have been a 15 year olds making out in the theater hardcore and probably some hand stuff was instead just me crying into her lap, basically. The hey, whole save, save it for the sex episode, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The hand stuff. <laughs> but, but yeah, basically just crying the whole time away. And I finally let, let it go. And um, But yeah, it was it was a really rough time for our family. But, um, you know, because my stepbrother, especially mine, who you know, survives him, um, now has a family of his own. And he's, he's moved on and lives a good life. But it's just a matter of the worst part of that being, though, is that you reminded me of it with your story of your um, grandma's funeral is he had an open casket funeral. They opted for that. And I hated it because this is a young, vibrant man. Um, and you get to see him forever scorched into your brain, the image of him lying there dead with that not so lifelike kind of uncanny valley makeup on them to keep them looking fresh and alive, but it doesn't quite work. There's something kind of off about it. And just lying there, and we just sit there because we're like the main family sit there in the front row while people are coming over to greet us or say their condolences to, to my stepfather. Um, and it was just terrible. Like, and so I, I kept trying to find reasons to leave. And so did my stepbrother, thankfully, because it was his brother there, too. He couldn't handle it. Um, so we went off to the gas station getting some pop, as you would call it, in the north. Yeah, there's pop in the basement. Yeah, there's pop across the street. There's, I mean, there's a gas station across the street. We kept saying, going, finding excuses to go over there for this wake, which was just terrible. So I, just, I was, if I don't have my body burned to a crisp into ashes, which I hope is what happens to me, um, I definitely don't want to wake because I would not want to put my uh, family through that. I think it's terrible. I want to. I want to be cremated so hard. Yeah, I think okay. cremated for me too. The only reason I'm not down necessarily down cremated is because it does create a lot of pollution. Hopefully you can find better ways uh, to do that more in the future. You they kind of did. There's so this is crazy. It's called lie cremation. Oh, where they kind of melt your body. <laughs> yeah, they like they melt you down with chemicals until all that's left is your bones and then they dry them out and they grind them. That's pretty cool. I'm down with that. Yeah. Probably the expensive. issue is, is that there haven't been a ton of EPA studies on how what's going to happen when you dump that much lye into the sewers. <laughs> <laughs> Just burns through the pipes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, I remember I've got vague memories of uh, your stepbrother, Jason, and I remember his room was that corner room in your guy's house. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I remember for a long time, your parents were very iffy about us going in there. Oh, like after the fact? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, I remember having sleepovers, and even though there was a bunk bed in that room, I had to sleep on your floor oh, for a yeah. long time. That's why we're when we slept in my, in my room for sleepovers. I forgot about that. And it wasn't until a few years later that I think it eased up a bit. Uh, but the one thing I remember is that Sublime poster that was mm -hmm. in the back right corner <laughs> that, like, no matter how, what other else in that room changed, that Sublime poster was up until the last time I saw uh, yeah, it's finally room. gone now. But uh, I think, yeah, I think in general, you see it in movies, too, but it's also true in real life. Parents kind of want to keep that room as like a shrine to the child that they lost. And I totally get that. I don't know how devastated I would be if I lost my own child. Um, but yeah, then finally, over time, though, that room has become a very nice, pleasant kind of baby room, actually, because whenever um, my stepbrother comes with his kids or Ashley now comes with her baby, my sister, they have a little there's a crib in there permanently. So little babies can stay in there and stuff. So it's, it's oh, nice. nice. And there's definitely a, nice. there's, a, there's a nice painting of Jason in that room. So it's he's kind of forever in there, which is kind of neat. But uh, yeah, so that was it was a rough time. And then after that, um, 
I got to spend a lot of time with my grandfather because not unlike your cat, he had diabetes <laughs> um, for his most of his life. But it kind of it was getting worse towards the end there of his life. And I got to spend a lot of time with him because I'm his namesake, which is kind of neat. He called me Junior. That's what he called me, which is really cute. And we I even got to do something suggested by my mother to go interview him and take recordings of him asking questions about life and what it means to be a man and bits of his history and we have these long recordings of me just talking to him and he's got this great southern accent it's kind of like he sounds a lot like king of the hill except more georgia south instead of texas but um i'm pretty sure you got to meet him a few times yeah uh the the one time i got to meet him was there was a terrible hurricane Oh, yeah. And your mom was afraid of him being alone at night. So you and me and an assortment of people. Right. Drove across Orlando, like in the dark and spent two or three nights at his place. Yeah, it was a weird time. Hurricane Charlie. It was weird. But um, yeah, and he was just a really kind, loving soul. Um, but he had, he had strange feelings about women. Um, <laughs> but Not strange feelings, but he just he loved loving women. And he always told me this is like, you can love as many women as you want, Jarman, but you just can't, you know, love them. He would tell me that because <laughs> he's basically saying, like, you can spread your love as much as you want and show that you love people. But, you know, if he, you make a commitment to somebody, you're not going to break that commitment. But he was always it was always he was very flirtatious with a lot of women because he wanted to show that he loved people and he loved women, especially. But he was very he was right. still a faithful person. He's very honorable. Um, and that's like I always looked up to that as like this great idyllic grandparent figure who's just you know kind of just the epitome of a good wholesome and strong work ethic from the south he made his own way kind of thing and and luckily there was not an open casket for that funeral um when he finally did pass away and um it was very sad to see him pass but he lived a little bit longer he had a little bit more um, time with his daughters they knew it was coming and um so yeah it was that was that wasn't as it was bittersweet of course but and i can't imagine what it's like for my mom and her sisters but uh for me it was just it was it was like a changing of the guard kind of thing. And it was, I knew it was coming and I don't know. That makes it a little better sometimes. Um, but <laughs> That's yeah, fair. Yeah. Any other deaths in your life before I get onto my big one? Uh, not specifically, you know, I've got my other grandma who's God, she's like 90 something now. She is kicking it, man. She's awesome. hanging out in Africa. <laughs> she's like, Alan Quartermain from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The <laughs> continent is keeping her alive with its magic. <laughs> That's a uh, deep cut, man. Deep cut. Deep cut. Sean Connery. Deep cut. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Who's dead, actually? <laughs> uh, uh, oh, damn it. Sean Connery. Um, but no, I don't like we we joke that she's going to live forever. She's just going to live forever. <laughs> I know that's not up. the reality, but man. Yeah, she's been in Africa for like 20 years now. That's crazy. And she moved there when she was old already. (laughs) (laughs) She volunteered for that crap. I know. It's crazy. Um, (laughs) Good for her. But no, luckily, uh, no other deaths that I can think of. You know, I think of a few people. You know, there's a girl we went to high school with who's one of those people that just died too young. Mm -hmm. Her name was Ruth. I don't know if you remember Ruth. Just like my grandma's name. She was in a car crash with a few other people that we were friends and acquaintances with, one of which I think you dated, if that yeah. sounds right. And uh, Ruth was a friend of mine, too, in school. We had a few classes together. And she's just real yeah, same here. nerdy, sweet person. I remember she had a real, real aversion to being touched. Oh, I didn't remember that. Like a real heavy aversion to being touched. And I remember one time, I can't remember, I got a roll or something, and she like asked if she'd give me a hug. 
And it was a big deal because she didn't touch anyone. Oh, yeah. Um, it's like I'll always remember Ruth. She was a real a sweet, quirky girl. And then a guy I work with here named Rob, uh, who, you know, died doing what he loved, riding his motorcycle way too fast on the oh, coastline. That's terrible. You know, but that's that's what he loved doing. And all so. of his pictures on Facebook and Instagram were him and his bike in different helmets and like Hope he didn't have kids. No, young guy, okay. luckily. I think he had a fiance and that's about it. Not that it makes it any better, but no, but I just, when people like drive recklessly and they have children, I always think that's incredibly inconsiderate, but Hey, if you're a young guy and that's what you love, exactly. Like you took the chance that was up to you, you know? Yep. So how you decided to, to you. live and that's how you decided to die ultimately. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's talk about, about yours for the, the final stroke. Yeah. Um, and I talked about this probably we had a, on my dad episode basically, or just dad's yeah. episode on play on nerds, I think a long time ago, but, um, mm -hmm. my, my dad passed away probably about three years now, three and a half years, something like that. Um, I, I think I purposely don't remember the date exactly. I remember his, I'll just celebrate him on his birthday. Um, every year, I don't remember the day he died. Um, I remember it was a little bit before his birthday though, cause he was about to turn 80, uh, when he passed right. away. So I think that's why I get along with a wide variety of age groups and in a very friendly way is because my father was um, born in 1939 um, and I he lived a long storied life with uh, multiple different families over the years. But I was the last kid he ever had. So certainly a lot of stories. Yeah, I can, I can confirm that. <laughs> but it was kind of neat because I was the last kid he ever had. So I was like this young kid who has a dad who's the age of like some grandparents of um, generation X people I know where my dad's age was their grandfather, you know? So it's kind of like I had this breadth of experience of him raising me and taking me to class and people picking me up and they're like, Oh, your grandfather's here. I'm like, no, that's just my dad. Um, yeah. I think when I met you, he was 64. Like, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Like I remember you being like 64. Really? <laughs> and he had that flat white hair that made him, very hard to distinguish age-wise, like Steve Martin. Oh, yeah. He, very hard to distinguish. Like, I started going gray in my 20s, but he went super gray in his 20s and was pretty much white by his 50s, like just white. And so it was very Steve Martin-esque that he, so he kept, kept him looking kind of youngish for a long time because you had no clue how old he actually was. Right. Once he hit 45, he just locked in age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he actually looked that pretty much the same way until about 65 and then, 65 68 maybe and then suddenly it was a sharp turn off to looking like a very old man but that's because right. he lived a very hard life lots of you know uh, narcotics and um crimes and uh stress and uh, drugs and and sick and so a lot of smoking and, and drinking dancing and, and rock and roll yeah pretty much so he yeah he had emphysema and he had um all sorts of uh, breathing and, and he also had parkinson's complications towards the end there um but he was it was a, kind of a long drawn out process but it just kind of stunk because he got uh married to a new woman uh very late in that process and they moved to to uh st petersburg florida and so my sister and i didn't really get to see him much anymore and this woman was kind of a kook uh she's she was very far right republican uh and so <laughs> that's not really what me and my sister get along with and my dad was never easy to get along with either because he's always telling stories you never tell me he's telling the truth and he was uh not very good with his emotions and he, he's constantly telling us lies about his past. And so very complicated relationship. So towards the end, I wasn't very close with him because I really couldn't be. And that kind of sucked. Um, I remember your dad would, he would start, it would sound like he was telling a story about when he was young and you'd get two minutes into this really complicated, 
complex explanation, and then you realized he was telling a joke. Yeah, sometimes that's at the very but end. It would like, literally uh, be two minutes of <laughs> thinking he was telling a story. Very authentic. That's always how he phrased it. So, you know, when I was young, I used to go down to the docks. Yeah, down to the docks, right down by the waterfront in Maryland. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you go into this, and then suddenly you realize you're listening to a joke, but you wouldn't realize until you were too deep to get out. Oh, and his all-time favorite one was that he carried a picture of this giant German woman, like, in, like, supremely overweight German woman in his wallet. Um, you take So, he'd tell a story about his girlfriend, and it'd be really sincere and sweet, and how attractive she was and beautiful to him, and he'd pull out the picture and show it. That's, like, his punchline at the end, showing this giant German woman named Elka. And so, that was just his go-to, I think, for the longest time. But... And that was just a very unfortunate thing, too, because then at the end, he, he kind of became a little bit super Republican and then uh, very involved in this local church. The Knights of the what the hell is it called? Knights of the Re- not Knights of the Republic. <laughs> it's a Calvary Assembly. No, it's a Catholic organization, kind of wow. like the Elks or like the but it's for it's called Knights of the something. I can't remember. Um, listeners probably will know. I think it's probably international, but um, he joined that thing. And so they got this Catholic church they went to and another church. They go to two different churches. But the thing was, I, when I went to his funeral, my sister didn't even want to go because it was just complications. And and also she couldn't fly down. It was just. And so I'm there with my one of my many half siblings, but my half brother, who I'm actually close to, Joe, was there with me. And him and I were the only people that actually knew my father there. Everyone else was people that had met him within the last six months and thought he was this really Christian, really uh, quiet guy because he couldn't speak very well at the end because he had Parkinson's and so and also the emphysema. So he couldn't breathe very well. So he was very, very soft spoken and she couldn't say very much. Whereas my whole life, loud guy talking, could not shut him up. He would tell jokes for hours and you'd be in a movie and he wouldn't be shut up. So like, but, but he was funny and outgoing and they all thought he was this really pious, quiet uh, ex-military man, which that's another story entirely. Um, and I was like, so I, I wasn't going to say anything. I was there with my girlfriend at the time, Kate. And but I convinced myself to go up and say a few words. It was my first like eulogy I ever, I ever did. I did do a little bit one of my grandfather's though as well, but this one was a little longer because I'm sexually an adult. Um, and I just started you know, talking about how he really was and how he was, you know, the funniest guy in the room. He was outgoing. Um, you never knew if he was telling a story or not. And it was just weird saying that to an audience of people who didn't know who he actually was. It was kind of sad. Right. Um, and it, it made me think, you know, I don't want to have my funeral be a bunch of people that barely know me, you know, so it makes you want to make a lot of friends and be close with people in your life so you can have people remembering you for who you actually are when you're dead. So maybe value that a little bit. Uh, so a story I just thought of that I don't know when else I'm going to tell it. So I'll just go ahead and go tell for it. it. Uh, so, you know, Ann and I made this big move out here to California seven ish years ago, something mm. like that. And what really spurred it was uh, Anna's father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. stage three moving into four i think it was colon but by the time it by the time it's stage four it was like it's kind of everywhere part, it was everywhere yeah it was everywhere and they treated it as aggressively as they could but at the end, end of the day his body just couldn't take it um for how far it had spread um so we came out here knowing that he had you know months to live before he passed mm-hmm. um and so I'm working. Anna basically gets called their deads in the hospital. So she heads up. 
to be with her mom and her family. I stay and I work, you know, the day, make arrangements and then head up the, like the next afternoon. Right. Um, so I get up there, go straight to the hospital. He's in his room and her dad had had moments of lucidity, but he was pretty far along. Um, but his big thing was he kept trying to like pull his catheter out and pull his IVs out. Cause he really wanted to go home. Like he wanted to go home or he kept oh, saying, I yeah. have to go, I have to go. And he had this urgency. And so I was in the room and I think that maybe Anna and her mom had stepped out and he starts trying to pull out his IVs and a nurse comes and says, no, no, John. And she goes, come over here and hold his hand. So not knowing who I was or the fact that, that, that John and I were not very close, uh, she asked me to come over and, and hold his hand. And so I hold his hand so he can't, you know, reach and rip out his IVs. And when I hold his hand, he looks down and he had this moment of realization that someone was holding his hand that he looked up and he made eye contact with me and had a moment of, 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 of lucid realization. And he went, no, not you. <laughs> what do you, what do you and mean? No, like, not you. That, that is because of all the people in his world that he wanted to be holding hands with the hospitals, I was not the one. Oh, he's more like, no, not you. <laughs> not you. Yes. Oh, I get you. That, 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 that is my final clear, real clear memory of any sort of connection with John was him realizing who I was and going, oh, no, <sighs> no, not you. <laughs> I totally get the, that feeling. <laughs> right. Like I get it. Cause him and I were not close. He did not like me or really want me marrying his daughter. Um, so in those moments <laughs> where you know, you're, you know, you're at the end and you have that moment of realization, you want it to be your daughter or your son or your wife. <laughs> you don't yeah. want it to be the son-in-law who you don't feel too good about. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this man holding my hand? Why is not, this happening? Not you. <laughs> Anyone but you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, John passed, I think the, the next day or that night, maybe. Wow. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And, and my, a, and my parents have been with their parents when they pass, like the, as it's happening, you know, I can't imagine being there that moment when it's happening. I think that there's a chance that'll happen in our future with one of our loved ones, perhaps, but it's just, it's crazy to think of. Yeah. I mean, Anna's family was very fortunate in that everyone was able to come in, um, spend spend time in the final hours like there were overnight shifts where basically people took turns watching him make sure his meds were up because he was on pain meds just to make him comfortable right and so i had an overnight shift and then went to bed and then if i remember correctly someone came out and got anna because we we're out in like the guest the little guest hut uh came out like 5 a.m and got her and then she came back a little bit later and said yeah he's gone um mm. uh, but most of the brothers and her were there and the mom were there and he got to to die at home in his room that is nice. It's about as good as you can hope for. Yeah. And with your family. Yeah. As good as you can hope for it to be. That's why I want to make a family. So I have family to be around me when I'm de- dying. Make them I all sad. Get married <laughs> first. Okay. Is that what God wants? <laughs> learn from your father. <laughs> well, well, I learned my father is just to stick around. It doesn't really matter if you're married or not. Just if you have a kid, stick around. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. True. And if anything, he got married many, many times. Yeah. So we're to understand. The marriage so, was, was uh, not so, helping anything. So, so maybe don't learn from your father. <laughs> <laughs> he was married many times and that did not help a damn thing. <laughs> um, oh, man. but I'll be incredibly devastated when my parents are gone. I don't want to think about that. Um, you know, my mom, I'm, I've always been a mama's boy and she needs to live forever. 
So I'm going to make her retire soon, hopefully, and she'll be really healthy and never die. And um, then, uh, and uh, I just watched uh, uh, a Queer Eye show just recently. Um, uh, Queer Eye is a fantastic show, by the way. I don't know if you and Anna watch it. Do you? I know. I don't even know what platform it's on. Oh, it's on Netflix. Um, and every episode is just it's a wonderful transformation of one person that's nominated by a friend or family member of their own to not just give them a makeover, but to help them better take care of themselves and their lives. And often they're people that are doing really good in their community. So it's just it's incredibly heart wrenching and seeing people be so happy and realizing they need to take care of themselves, not just their other people and their family. Right. So it's not just like the queer eye for the straight guy like back in the 90s. Now it's like women, men, trans people, everybody's, you know, they're, they're are nominated. But this one old guy, you know, he just was um, he was nominated. He was this guy who's owned this uh, this crawfish place in Texas for, you know, 40 years with his wife. Uh, and she passed away 10 years ago. And he's just been never the same. He, since she died, he let his hair grow out. He looks ratty. He doesn't take care of himself. He hasn't changed the restaurant one bit in the last 10 years. And so his daughter nominates him for Queer Eye to be, you know, revolutionized and changed and upgraded because he needs, you know, to refresh his life. And he's just like, my partner all this time just suddenly died of an aneurysm. And I'm like, I turned to my girlfriend, Jolie, and I'm like, you're not allowed to die of an aneurysm. <laughs> I, I say that to Anna all the time. I was like, you, I have to go first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I just see the love in this man's eyes and this devastation it did to him. I'm like, that can't happen to me. I, I'm starting to love you too much. I can't have you just suddenly die of an aneurysm. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So tell Anna the same thing. She's not allowed to go anywhere. Oh, yeah. And like, I, I think to myself, I got, you know, everyone has these de depressing, fleeting mental moments where I'm yeah. like, well, if if something happened to Anna, I would have to keep on going for the kids. Of course. Of course. Or something happened to one of the kids, we would have to keep on going for the other. But I think to myself, like, like, I can't imagine my life if something happened to Anna and the kids. Oh, yeah. Like, I just can't. I can't comprehend a world where I would keep on going on. That would it like would make no sense at that point. It's like I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like what, what what would my life what would my life be? What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> right. So let's not think about that. It's not going to happen. Right, right. Plus, we don't go anywhere or do anything anymore or fly anywhere, so they're all going to be safe. That's right. We're all just <laughs> staying at home <laughs> in <laughs> our sedentary lifestyles. <laughs> yeah, not getting vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go outside sometimes to get mail. Y yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I'm scared to do that. Now we have a lot of bugs in our porch, so I'm just staying inside. I'm That's like, true. Florida has scary bugs. <laughs> I'm letting the mail pile up. We're like America's uh, Australia over here. Uh, well, I think that maybe that brings us to the end. <laughs> I think that does bring us to the end of the sappy crap podcast. That's right. Join us next time when we're going to talk about we're going to talk about sex. So once I know, so if you didn't catch the announcement last time, uh, this is the third to final episode of Sappy Crap. We're going to cap it at forty. Walk away into the sunset with an explosion behind us. Uh, so the next episode we're going to talk about is sex. Maybe moms don't listen. Yes. And then the final, our final episode is going to be about friendship. F finish it out on the warm and fuzzies. Oh, yes. So thanks for joining us down this delightful stumble down memory lane. And don't forget, the good old days weren't always that good. This podcast was brought to you by A Play on Nerds. <laughs>